Before the bloodbath begins, slither your way over to the host's socials. For the podcast, slash over to Twitter at the BHO underscore podcast. Instagram, the Baron's Hideout Podcast. Then stab over to Dean's Instagram at Dean of the Dead Hot Sauce. Listen to the show on your favorite apps and Patreon. Enjoy the sleigh and try to stay alive. For the next period of time, strap in as the hosts rip and tear at the unsuspecting guests, and which the their dark secrets and methods of the genre. In this bloodbath, no one gets out alive. This is within the barracks. Today, we are joined by the spookiest fella out of Baltimore, Maryland, Chris LaMartina. Best known for his, war, his work on WNUF Halloween special, What Happens Next Will Scare You, Dead Teenagers, and more. Let's jump into the Halloween spirit with Chris himself as we talk about his work. So, Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I like how you, uh, you lean into a Dead Teenagers, the movie when I, when I made when I was like 18 and 19. <laughs> hey, I, ha- I, had to re- I had to, you know, put something very, very old in there, you know? <laughs> we we got to let dude. people go watch that stuff, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll turn it off immediately. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, hey I'm at least they watched e- it. I want to go back even further, man. Um, Americill. You made something called Americill at the age of 14, man. Americill is actually one of those movies that, like, man, we're going to launch right into this immediately, right? So, like, a lot of people uh, have rediscovered that because Tony Masilio at um, SOV Horror re-released it. But, like, Americill was my attempt when I was 14 years old to try to make, like, a feature-length slasher movie. And it ended up being, like, 55 minutes or so. Um, But literally, like, I think that one for a 14-year-old holds up pretty well dead teenagers i'm still sort of like oh god like there's some things that are pretty cringy but the 14 year old side of me uh of the miracle days i'm like okay all right you were you were you were fresh out of eighth grade you know killing killing uh kids in the in the sewers by your parents house hell yeah man (laughs) so creative at the age of 14 i think that's fantastic man it's so fantastic. How what what did you shoot that on? And like how did you edit it at the So um oh man, the editing is fucking nuts. Okay, so um <laughs> I can cuss on here, right? Where this isn't yes, like yeah, monitored yeah. by the not, FCC. Not censored at all. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, so um, America was shot on a format called um, oh God, it's just so funny. I thought I was gonna be talking about WNF and the sequel, instead we're talking about my fourteen year old. No, trust me, we'll make our rounds. <laughs> okay, cool. So America was shot on a format that uh, Sony had called. It was, I think, it was exclusively Sony called Digital Eight. So it shot on high eight tapes, but quote unquote made it digital. Um, so once they were shot on that camera, they became like you could only watch them on Sony products. So it was, it was proprietary, but the editing was crazy. So when I was um. When I was 14, I didn't have access to computer editing. And then I made a couple shorts where I did like the back and forth VCRs. But the problem was back then I didn't have the, um, uh, what was it? The, uh, um, oh God, I'm looking at my VCR for the term. What the racer has, the flying eraser heads, um, flying okay. erasers, whatever they're called. And um, so every time you did a cut, it would be these weird rainbow lines, right? So I'd be like, fuck, that doesn't look professional. So what I ended up doing for a lot of my early films as a kid to make sure they'd look good, we did what, what you'd call in-camera editing, where you'd basically like... Um, Okay, you know, I'm I'm I'll film Dean in this angle and I'll go click. Okay, on the count of three, you say your line at three. One, two, three, ding, Dean says his line. Then I do the reverse angle and be like, all right, Dustin, you're gonna say your line on the count of three. So all the editing, like there's there's no way I could have changed anything and later on anyway, unless I cut unless I sculpted it essentially. Like I yeah. like I cut things out. But it was really fucking nuts because there's only three VCR edits in the whole movie. Um, so it's kind of insane to think about a 55 minute movie made by 14 year olds yeah. that, um, that only has three VCR edits, all the rest, we were just very, very meticulously planning. Um, and it's sort of, I always joke that it's like, you know, when you don't know something's impossible, it's not impossible. And that's sort of how I approached that when I was, when I was a kid. Um, but th- th- the toughest thing about making that movie was, I mean, I was 14. I didn't have a driver's license. Like literally I was at the mercy of, uh, will my friend's parents drive us to the location? Will my sister <laughs> take us, you know, up the street to Andrew's house? Like it was like stuff like that. It was just goofy. <laughs> I love that. 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's actually kind of, um, you know, leans into another question I had is like, before you were doing that, what really sparked your love of filmmaking? So I, I would I've always been a horror fan, like massively, massively a horror fan. And I think that that comes out of two things. So one, um, I'm the youngest of three kids. I'm as my mom likes to call me a, a, a nice surprise. I was an accident, <laughs> but born five years after my my older sister and then my, my older brother. So um, so they my brother watched a lot of 80s horror stuff that I was too young to be watching. But, you know, being the, the shitty little brother, I would like run in and try to watch things like Monster Squad or Predator. And I just love that stuff. I mean, I remember early on seeing like um, uh, ads for like Night of the Demons being on TV or in theaters or whatever the hell it was and being like, 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 holy shit, this is the most scary thing I've ever seen. Um, so there's that part of it that like horror was always sort of this illicit thing to me. Um, and I remember my brother reading me the scary stories to tell in the dark books. Um, oh, and like I still he, have those. Dude, they're the best. And uh, the illustrations and showing them to me that haunted me for years still, still are yep. some of the scariest things ever. But he would tell me those stories and he knew it scared me when I was little. So um, he would just try to scare the fuck out of me. And that's what happened. And then the other angle of it was... Um, I was I spent a lot of time growing up with my my uh, godmother, my dad's sister, who was uh, a very superstitious uh, Italian Catholic. And uh, she um, it's funny, she would just tell me stuff about like stigmata and like the saints, like all these crazy stories about like these martyrs that like were so fucking scary to me. And then she would tell me like urban legends like she was one of the first people that had told me things like um you know like the the um the gang initiation of flashing your headlights like that old urban legend oh, yeah like yeah. she would tell me that like it was true and she was a secretary at a catholic school um for a long time and she, they used to do this thing where they would they would fax urban legends back and forth yeah um so like people would tell these things that, like like you know like like almost like the first sort of like um like email like weird chain email type things but it was it was, it was fact it was so bizarre but I, but it, she told me really crazy stories and she used to um you know she's very very religious we used to go to um i mean she still is very religious she, she still watches watches um all the priests linens every weekend she cleans oh, wow. the church on sundays ironically though she was the woman that um uh bought me my first horror movies she bought me a copy of toxic avenger when um wow uh, okay. when i was five years old <laughs> what a first movie to get too wow yeah <laughs> what well, i i should say first horror movie yeah, because yeah. All, she thought it, i thought it was gonna be like toxic crusaders and man yeah. i'll never forget dude we were watching that and um uh i uh I like the first sex scene hit and I was like five or six years old. And I was like, Hey Lulu, her name's Barry Lou. I called her Lulu. Um, Hey Lulu, I I don't think I should be watching this. And she walks back in and the sex scene was over and she's like, Oh, it's fine. That bad scene's over. You can keep watching it. <laughs> like, I think she just wanted to be not bothered. And Ted, instead she like scarred me for life. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a good, that's a really good movie. And it, it, it fucked me up too. And I, I watched it way later. I think I was maybe like 13 or 14. And yeah, the, the, the movie definitely brings you through the stages of like, what the hell is going on? Shouldn't be watching this, but I am anyway. But it's crazy <laughs> though because that one made me like, I, like I needed some like gestation time to realize what I was watching. But like when I was like seven or so, I was like, okay, Lulu, will you buy me Toxic Avenger two now? And I remember we had to buy it special in order from um, I don't know if we were at um, I mean it's this probably a regional chain. It doesn't matter, but like some like like big box store had to special order it for us their video section. Um, but that stuff like. The filmmaking part of it was, you know, you watch enough horror movies, you want to start making movies, you want to start telling stories. But I would, I would sit down when I was a kid, like I loved Ghostbusters, the animated series and the movies. Oh, yeah. I would sit down, and uh, my godmother would sit at a, a straight up typewriter. This is before she had a, um, um, a computer, and I would say, "All right, sit down, Lulu. I'm going to tell you a scary story, and you're going to uh, like um, type it up." So I dictate these stories to her, and I mean, I've read one probably about ten years ago. She found one and read it out. It's just a series of um non sequiturs like it's just all these like like it was a dark and stormy night like the hand came out of the grave like oh, it makes yeah. no fucking sense but like i had these sort of like this love of horror tropes because i loved anything spooky i mean like halloween was like my favorite time when i was a kid oh man i can relate to all of that everything you just said yeah completely yeah. my granddad used to tell me that that was kind of it was a dark and stormy night and it's, it used to really relax me that's what would get me to sleep yeah was a dark and stormy night and i was like oh man i feel so relaxed and chill right now <laughs> I, I mean i love those stories she told me she told me so many crazy stories that just stuck with me like she told me about like all these things i don't even hear about folklore wise she told me about this thing one time um 
I need to get her to tell these stories before she can't tell them anymore. That sounds dark, but I'm just, you know, <laughs> reminding <laughs> us our own mortality. Um, she told me about this story about this, um, this, um, I don't know if it, I, I think it was Italian. It was, it definitely was Italian because it's an Italian word, but the, um, a sugar nulli bowl, which is, um, which is like two people hold this bowl and it sort of functions like a Ouija board where you ask it yes or no questions. And I guess the spirits of one of the saints will turn it left or right by your two fingers. Oh. What kind of questions do you ask? I don't know how to spell it though. I've never looked it up, but I've always been curious about that. Now, now actually you guys reminding about the, this about reminding me about this makes me want to look it up i'm gonna write it down <laughs> yeah, that's awesome wow um dean i'll let you throw a few questions before we uh start jumping everything i know you had a, a couple yeah, of you wanted man to, uh... so so when he sort of started getting more kind of more seriously into filmmaking what like other filmmakers really inspired you, you know what sort of other work was you watching and other filmmakers were you sort of following to to sort of you know kind of i don't know sort of own your craft and you know when yeah. you getting, getting into it a bit more so early on, I think the biggest influences were, I mean, I do think trauma was immensely influential. And I think as I grew, grew older, I don't think that was as like, and I also think trauma changed, right? Like, I think yeah. like when I was like preteen, like stuff like Toxic Avenger and Tromeo and Juliet, I really loved some of the stuff mm -hmm. like Terra Firmer and like later on and like that, that like some of the Toxic Avenger sequels were too silly for me. But early on, I liked that idea of being sort of like this sort of like punk rock mentality really yeah, influenced yeah, a lot of the stuff yeah. I did. Um, but then horror wise, one of the biggest influences early on early early on was was sam raimi and the evil dead movies i mean oh, i remember yeah the first the first time i saw evil dead was a very so rob zombie hosted a week of um zombie movies on um on uh, sci-fi channel i think he showed the like, carnival of souls night of the creeps evil dead i think night of the living dead um and it was funny because he showed a very edited very heavily heavily edited for tv version of um evil dead Wow. And I just remember seeing, thinking at that time, like every horror movie that I'd seen had been fairly big budgeted, right? Like probably like so, somewhere in the millions to make these movies. Like even, even so, like you know, like Monster Squad and Predator, while they're still like wild movies, they're 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 Hollywood movies. Yeah. So when I saw Evil Dead for the first time, I was like, "Holy shit! This movie looks like just like cheap." Like this yeah. looks dirty and cheap and like low budget. But I didn't know what low budget was then. But at the same time, too, watching that like it created something in me that I was like, Oh my God, I could do this. Yeah. Like I could like, I mean, uh, uh, you know, what? Uh, I don't know how old I was when I saw it. Like nine, nine year old kid being like, Oh my God, I could, uh, you know, um, make something like evil dead is, is insane. But like, it really did ex excite me like that. And I think that was the same sort of equivalent to like, when I like first started hearing punk rock bands or like local mm -hmm. music, I was like, Oh shit. All you got to do is learn like a power chord and then you can write songs. Yeah. And that's what evil dead was for me. Just cause I didn't know, um, really what it meant to make a micro budget movie or a low budget movie or any of that stuff. Mm. That's oh, very cool. Wow. Awesome. And, um, was, that, uh, was that Greg Nicotero did a lot of the effects for that, wasn't it? Was that I think for the for, this, for Evil Dead Two? The yeah. second one. Yeah. Oh, oh, we did two, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah I was trying to think of the effects yeah. team on that. Yeah, two. Yeah. yeah, that was. I, I was gonna say that's probably pretty early in. Um, was it can be then, right? Yeah. So mm. I believe so. Yeah. 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 But I mean, it's funny. It's part of the stuff that that uh, ties into the. Um, the sequel that I've been talking about, the WF sequel, is um, when I got obsessed with Sam Raimi, and I ended up getting this mail order tape trading catalog um, back when I was a kid, and uh, I was about like nine or ten years old, and um, they had a listing for Sam Raimi's short films, like all the stuff he made before he made Evil Dead, and mm. I remember like being like, "Well, I've got to fucking see this. I've got to see what <laughs> Sam Raimi was doing when he was my oh, age yeah. or, or you know a, a, a teenager." And I remember getting this tape from this like this bootleg tape trading catalog. And my God, dude, it looked like it had, it looked like total ass. Like you could not <laughs> tell most of what was on the tape. Cause it was probably like a seventh generation dub or something of these short films. Yeah. It was truly <laughs> remarkable to watch some of Sam Raimi's early stuff because he made a bunch of weird short films that really did wow. show up things later on, like in the, yeah, yeah, he made this yeah. little short about um like a hamburger helper hand. Yeah, um, that's very much like influence what happens in Evil Dead too. So, yeah, a lot of us call it. I need to see. I need to see this myself now. I need to try yeah. and find that somewhere. I'm sure, I'm sure they're on YouTube. Find, and they're, yeah, yeah, they're probably better quality. Because I mean, I was. Lit I remember watching that. Like, get, I remember. Okay, you buy a tape from Slang Mail Order when you're a kid, and it feels like it takes like 12 years to get to you, right? Yeah. Uh, it was probably it was probably like three weeks, but in kid time, it was yeah, it was yeah, just yeah, awful. Mm -hmm. Um. And I remember popping the tape in and being so excited and being like, I cannot see. I'm squinting my eyes right now for everyone listening. <laughs> I cannot see 
a single like it looks like i'm watching this tape with like with my eyes wrapped in cellophane like, it was like, <laughs> yeah it's like they rubbed some vaseline on this exactly on the lens, you know <laughs> and you're like what the hell is this <laughs> oh man oh, i kind of miss old um bootlegs uh like that because i don't know it's kind of a charm with them you know yeah. seeing really messed up films and then watching it how they really are it's like you kind of want to watch it the really crappy way i don't know that's just yeah. me i'm just like i love that and that's I think yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I, I talk too much. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I love it. But I was gonna say, I think for me, what you just said makes a lot of sense because there are certain movies that when you clean them up or give them like uh, you know, like a really nice HD transfer or 4K transfer, you can start seeing makeup seams or you can start exactly. seeing things that like are bad. And one of the things, like, don't get me wrong, not every movie should be watched that way, but there's certain sleazy movies where you're like, oh, you're actually forgiving a lot of the budgetary constraints mm. through, through the way it's it, it was degenerated by bouncing through VCRs or, or on the tape. So I 100% agree with that. I mean, there's certain movies, especially some of the old, like, shot on video stuff is cool to watch like that, or a lot of, like, the, like, um like old Italian cannibal movies. That was how yeah. I, I watched most of those when I was a kid, but yeah. Yeah. And that's actually something that I do. Um, I usually try to get like the highest resolution I can for certain movies and see if it holds up. That's yeah. that's a game for me. It's just like I remember watching as a kid, and then there'll be movies where I'm just like, yeah, that effect looks really bad in 4K or really yeah. bad in Blu-ray. You know, so yeah. I don't know. It's a fun little game, and I usually just kind of go back and watch them original way when I was like a kid. And this kind of yeah. um well. Go right into us asking you some questions about the WNUF um, Halloween special. Because mm-hmm. this is kind of uh, along the same lines of like, it, it's not crappy, so to speak, but it's like you're watching it through an old VCR. Yeah. So what was the process of you getting all the shots to look like that? So, um, well, some of the stuff is archival, right? But I was going to say part, but, but some of the stuff that we, uh, not some of the stuff, most of the stuff that we shot was, um, it was shot on tape stock for the, for the, for the, for the original. So like, um, one of the things I'll say is, um, it was, uh, it was shot on a combination of SVHS, uh, VHS, and then also DV cam, which is tape stock, but it is digital tape stock. And, um, that was actually shot on like an ENG, so electronic news gathering camera. So a big, big shoulder tv camera um so that was shot like that i mean like and like but also here's the thing though like the the um the vcr degeneration so the movie was duped back and forth about three-ish times uh um so i put it on dvd because obviously i had to make it into a format like to go to vcr and then i went went back and forth on on the the vcr vhs a couple times so um I did that, and that basically makes most things look like video. But the big thing with video is that some people don't realize is um, also like the frame rate. So video is thirty frames oh, yeah. a second. Film is is close to is twenty four. Um, so that's a that's a major part of it. That's why everything sort of looks like a soap opera um, on purpose with video, um, or with, with on purpose of what we were trying to do. Um, but no, I mean a lot of things I've seen recently where, and I don't fault these people because it's not that important to him, important to them. But like um, the. Uh, a lot of folks just want to put a filter on it, right? And and there's been some great revolutionary um uh uh like software to make things look like yeah. VHS, but honestly nothing looks like VHS like bouncing tapes between yeah, VCRs. Like doing it and original. that's what was important to me. Yeah. Okay, it, was cool. so, it had such a nostalgic vibe, man, because I mean I'm 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 43 years old, so mm-hmm. I remember recording stuff on vhs and yeah. bouncing stuff around on vhs and i was like wow this is like being a kid again this is what i used to watch when i was a kid you know it, it's really I funny think. you bring up the, the kid angle to it because when i was doing the um the sequel um i spent like a, like probably about three weeks or so doing all the damage and figuring out like certain transitions and things mm. like and i spent a lot of time literally like being like a weird fucked up dj where i would just jam <laughs> tapes and fuck things up and try to do all kinds of weird things and in order to do that i actually went through a lot of my old short films from when i was like you know 12 to 16 and i was going through these vhs tapes and watching all those old tapes like looking at things that i forgot i filmed but like all those the all those old like the, the uh, this flood of nostalgia watching these old short films that i'd done um was crazy because I, I you know you think about your past as a kid um mm. almost like people might think about um their home movies from the 50s or 60s if they're older like how they almost all their memories feel like super eight all my mm-hmm. memories felt like vhs and it was weird i mean it was, honestly it was crazy it was, it was um really weird it was um first time i'd heard my uh, grandfather's voice in probably you know uh 25 years oh, like wow. watching that tape it was crazy yeah wow 
That's so that's so cool that you have all that though. You've got all that. You know, I, I'm very fortunate, man. Yeah, it was funny though like, watching them. I'm like, why the fuck did I film this? Like, it's us screwing around at school. But back then, it's like, oh hey, yeah, <laughs> it's great. Now you've got it to look back upon, and it is yeah. literally you've been keeping sort of video diary metal memories and short films. You know, it's since that age, and you've you've got all of that now. And I'm thinking, shit, man, <laughs> I wish I had. <laughs> <done that."> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got stuff like that too. Um, we have a lot of old um, home videos and stuff that I think we're starting to finally trans prints over to digital that way mm. things won't get lost but it's always really cool going back and looking at things that you've done as a kid and like wow i don't remember that or like looking at like old christmas videos those are always yeah. like some of my favorites is like watching oh, that yeah. it's i don't know there's just like something very special about that so those are fun to get into digital i can't wait to get get them all emailed to me from my my mom so that's that's what <laughs> i'm really yeah. looking forward to i've got a lot of old uh music so i've been playing in about i literally pl- I've been playing music in a band since the age of about 13 12 13 we used to play at school so all, i've got a load of old vhs of our yes. band <laughs> at, like the school concert oh man hell we yeah. did like guns and roses and heiress <laughs> hell yeah man <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it that's sounds so, awesome. so funny and I'm wearing this kind of mad, weird Angus Young, like these shorts. And, <laughs> I, I love that. God knows what I was going for, man. I need so. to see those. I need to see those. No, you don't need to see those. Yes, though. I do. <laughs> Come on, man. Super but we'll put them out on the podcast as a special episode. This was Dean yeah, when he was younger. Maybe. Maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I'll send some over to Chris for to, yeah, hell yeah, splice yeah. into a movie. Yeah, but then some yeah, other movies. Go, go, go. <laughs> Talking about the casting for WNUF, did you did you kind of write any of the parts for like specific actors? Did you have anyone in mind so you you know yeah. character and um, you thought, well, oh, this actor would be perfect for that role? Or yeah, so the, the for WNUF it was interesting. I had the lead Paul Ferencamp who plays Frank Stewart. Like mm. I wrote that movie with him in mind, and I remember when mm. he auditioned. We still made him audition because you never know you might write yeah. something for somebody and they might just not be it. Um, mm. But I knew Paul. From, we had made a movie with him called President's Day, and he was in another movie we made called Witch's Brew. And I knew his sort of sense of humor felt very Frank Stewart-esque. And I also knew Paul was sort of like an old, um, kind of like an old hippie. And that's why Frank Stewart sort of says things like far out, like things that are clearly <laughs> like, in my head, Frank Stewart is always, always a radio DJ that transitioned to t- TV. Um, and that's like, I, I think we even end up using the liner notes in the um, the WNUF uh, spoken word record that uh, Terrorvision put out a couple years back. Oh, but yeah. like, um, oh, yeah. but yeah, so... So basically for, for, for Paul, he came in, he, he did a terrible audition and, um, and I, and I literally like pull, pull the side. I was like, Paul, I fucking wrote this for you, man. Like this, this character is, is you to me. Right. Um, so like, um, so he, like, I said, like, just do this, just like, and and the audition process was really interesting for WNF because we had them, um, even though there were sides, like we actually had them improv. I asked Paul, um what was like the was your favorite news story to report as as and he's he had to answer as in character as frank stewart i think he he responded about um judging like a local like um swimsuit competition or something (laughs) so it was pretty it was pretty funny like i mean like and then um the um brian st august who plays lewis Berger, um there were a couple people up for that but i thought brian really nailed it and i think when i put him and um helen mary ball who plays claire Berger together they just had really they mm. the burgers like have they have great chemistry together and um and it's interesting like i felt like um uh the, them they just have this sort of like and that's always like like a, a thing of like trying to find conflict between characters in just what makes a, a scene naturally tense they are very slow very like calmly talking and and frank is always aggressive so in every scene they're together it always sort of feels like they're just like like at each other's throats even if they're not or even if it's a little bit more under the um you know subtext but yeah yeah but I was gonna say everything else in the movie. I mean, everything else was pretty much people audition. I mean, Paul. It was written for Paul, the original. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this is another thing I really like too about watching um, what happens next will scare you. Is seeing all the things that you kind of uh, put into, it, like the burgers are in that. So you get a little bit of a cameo from them, and you get a taste of like what the WNUF was, but you also get something new. So I wanted to ask you about the process of doing. Um, what happens next was was it was it um harder or easier um to do that compared to WNUF or were they both just two completely different challenges that you kind of can't put them on a spectrum? So I think what's really interesting is a lot most people know my filmmaking through WNUF, right? And I think by design, WNUF is um very um uh 
accessible because the cheapness, like the low budget is part of the aesthetic, right? Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to, and I'm going to build up to answer your question. So just bear with me. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like basically like, so WNF was shot for super cheap. Like um, it was shot on a really low quality format because that was, that was the the atmosphere. That was the vibe we were creating. Um, a couple months after we made WNF, we were making Call Girl of Cthulhu, which was like a $41,000 movie, which doesn't sound like a lot to most listeners. But like for us, that was the biggest budget we'd ever had to make a movie. And um, and it, and if you look at Call Girl of Cthulhu, which I believe is, I think it's streaming on Tubi for free right now. Um, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So you could, people can watch it or if they want to buy a copy, you can go to our, our big cartel site. But like... Um, I should really be saying buy a copy from us, not to go on two people, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that movie was like a massive budget. However, uh, but to us, I should say massive budget. But basically, like um, a lot of folks would call that cheap because it's not part of the aesthetic, right? Um, so I, I say that as um, we had, we had made WNF and WNF was a, a, had had been a bigger success than I re- I ever realized right like like i remember telling my my co-producer jimmy like um he early on i was like dude no one's gonna fucking like wf like everyone's gonna think it's like just a waste of fucking time it's an 82 minute movie with 25 minutes or commercial but i want to make this movie and this is what i want to do with it um so we're not so no one's gonna like this but we're gonna make it anyway and um and i was wrong in the sense that like people liked it a lot but i also know i made that movie because i was driven by such an intense passion to do it so that being said it somehow became this like amazing success for us um not not financially successful um because none of these movies i'm not a full-time filmmaker i just do movies because i love them but what ended up happening was um we were we were hit up after the success of wf by a couple little people who wanted to give us money right who wanted who said like hey like we'd love to see what you guys could do with like 80 grand and we had just made call girl for 41 now the problem with Call Girl at 41, 41,000 is that uh, nobody got paid. And then when you make a movie for 80 grand where somebody's paying for it or hundred grand for someone's paying for it, you have to pay people because that's that's a real budget, right? Yeah. Um, and ultimately I think when we made those movies back then, it's like we wanted every dollar to show up on the screen. Like I never took a paycheck. No one ever took a paycheck. Occasionally we would pay our effects team or occasionally we pay, pay um, folks who got naked, right? um so but it was like it was like it was like really just like i'm really sorry i can only pay you this much much but they would do that um we did as best we could so when those people came to us with those that money they sort of like and it happened i think two or three people sort of talked us about them about this and ultimately what ended up keep kept, kept happening was we crunched the numbers and be like all right man like this doesn't make a lot of sense to take a year of our lives to make, like to quit my job that pays me a lot more to yeah. make what essentially my director fee would have been like 10 grand for a year of my life which is fucking terrible money right um so and this is all leading to what happened sex will scare you so but during that time period i we basically um uh written a couple uh like we basically pitched like 40 ideas for like, they wanted to make like the one, the one company that stands out to me was they want to make ghost movies and slasher movies. And, um, and I, I pitched them 20 ghost movies. Then we pitched them um, uh 20 slasher movies. And um, basically were like, we wouldn't make any of these seven. And most of those ideas we came up with were sort of like really like um, some of them were cool and some of them turned into other things. But ultimately I was like, I was not really passionate. Like I was passionate about call girl of Cthulhu or like I was passionate about um, WF. And there was sort of this moment thematically uh in my life where i was like well what the fuck am i doing like am i making movies um because like i have to like they don't pay my mortgage like they're not they're not they're not like covering my health insurance uh and um and i and i had this sort of moment do we do we just make movie after movie to stay relevant like are we just sort of doing the you know the cinematic equivalent of jazz hands and um but it sort of felt like that because a lot, you know, in the world we live in right now, social media is you need constant validation and you need to kind of like be like, Hey, like, um, you know, like, look at me, I'm doing this yeah. new thing. I'm doing this new thing. I know that um, all too well. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, and, but like essentially like with a podcast, right. You're selling a product fucking constantly. You have to get more eyeballs and more eyeballs and more eyeballs. So the story of what happens next will scare you. And if, and if folks are, are listening to this, they're only know WNUF. Um, what happens next will scare you is a clickbait, a clickbait horror satire. Basically That's it's about so these folks. Good. Thank you so much. Oh, so uh, it's um, it's these guys are basically a, like a BuzzFeed style office, and they're voting on the top thirteen scariest viral videos. So it's an anthology film where every time they talk about one of these viral videos, you go into the world, and some, and it's basically a found footage anthology with yeah. a lot of the stuff being sort of VHS driven, um, with and then some like you know like bloggers and in, like influencers shit like that. So like so, but very much about clickbait. Um, so anyway, so um. That movie thematically was about, are we putting meaningful things into the world? 
are we just making bullshit? And that would that's what the movie was about, and basically how that shit will eventually consume you. Um, and and not in a good way, right? Like it estranges you from your like from like the people that really matter to you, like your family, and like, but like, yeah. So, um, so anyway, so what ended up happening with WF being success was like all the business deals that were presented to us did not make sense for my life, right? My, yeah. At that time in my life. Uh, and this played into a lot of the, the character stuff with what happened sexual scary as well. I had become a creative director at an ad agency in Baltimore. And basically my my professional life, I'm you know either creative director or um, you know, doing a lot of like marketing, advertising type stuff for different corporations and things like that. So uh basically um I wanted to make another movie, and I that was what I kept thinking about, this need for con- constant validation. And this the idea of like getting eyeballs, right? Um yep. As a create, as a creator, I should say, constant crea- validation as a creator, and um, I knew I didn't want to do another crowdsource campaign like we did with Call Girl because it's like, dude, we just fucking did that. Like, I don't want to keep asking people for money all the time, um, even though that's I know that's the only way I can keep making these movies. Um, and I didn't want to get investors. Like, it's always a gamble because none of these movies, even WNF, has never made enough money to really pay back investors. Um, I'm sure if someone like a producer is listening to this, this is like, well, then you're making shitty decisions. And I'm like, you're right. I'm not a businessman. Um, but what I'll say is, um, we made what happens next will scare you for about, uh, six, let us say $6,000, oh, which, wow. which is, which is cheap. Right. Yeah. And, uh, like I, I could, I'd have to double check the numbers, but like, you know, about that. And, um, but we did that by design because we shot all the found footage anthology segments first, um, because we knew those would be like no money to make. And then, um, the what we ended up doing was we used all the gear from the the, the agency I was working at. So I, I was the creative director for a live action uh, video team at this agency in Baltimore. So I used all the gear for free. And basically what ended up happening was um, the the crew that was my crew for all that stuff was all the folks I would hire for corporate gigs. And they and, and it was what was really interesting about that. And it was really changed a lot of the like my feelings about making movies and how difficult it is more so now uh, than it was when I was in my mid 20s or late 20s. Um, folks got older, like our, our core crew of people started getting older and it was, um, you know, people had kids, people had mortgages, like people couldn't give us 15 hour days or couldn't take off a month of work to make a movie like we did with Call Girl. Um, all the interns or PAs we had on Call Girl were now like working professionals and I felt awful asking them to work for free. Um, even though, you know, it's not like I was making buku bucks or, or any money really on that. Um, so that being said, um, what happens next was was harder than WNUF in in a in a different way, right? I would yeah. work an eight hour day. We shot it in our office, and then I would go get dinner, and we'd come back and shoot at that office from six p.m. till eleven o'clock, right? And then I'd wake up the next morning, I'd go back to work. So we did that yeah. for like two two weeks when we shot the wraparounds, shooting the found footage uh, anthology segments. For what happens next will scare you. That um that wasn't as um that wasn't as taxing because we sort of did like weekend shoots like weekend warrior style so that wasn't bad but it was just it was a different movie and i I, what i will say this like you know now in regard to that i don't really know if i'm ever going to make a a a feature like call girl where i take off you know a month of of work to make i mean i can't do that now my my job would probably not let me do that um but that's i would i would say comparing that that one to that one is lifestyle changed big big time but but i also want to clarify this too there might be a lot of filmmakers listening that are like, oh, I guess I can't do it. It's like, no, that's not true. You pick projects and you figure out projects you can make that you're excited and passionate about that work in right. your life. Like I tell my film students, I used to teach, um, I don't, I haven't taught it for a while, but I, a couple for like about five, six years, I taught screenwriting. Oh, and wow. um, so um, I, I used to tell them, dude, you have to have something that lines your wallet so you can pay your bills. And you have to have something that lines your, your heart. Um, I like I like to quote my buddy Mike Lombardo, uh, director of um, I'm Dreaming of a White Doomsday. He always says, "You got to find that things that, that you got to find the thing that keeps the gun out of your mouth, right?" And like it's true. I mean, like as a creative, I know personally if I'm not busy, I get really fucking depressed, and like I need to find an outlet to to consume my my energy and my thought process so I don't think about the worst things in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And yeah. That's how I feel about doing the show, especially with yeah. you too. And we were actually before this, Dean and I were talking about, you know, how right now we're both kind of going through this like really bad anxiety. Mainly it's maybe because of a job or just how the mm-hmm. world is or whatever it may be. But when we're here and we're doing this and we're talking to people as cool as you, Chris, and, and, and talking about films and shit that we love, like it just, 
Get away from all that shit. Oh, you know? yeah, you forget yeah. about all the shit, man. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're in the zone then, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, I, I think that's also the interesting thing for me. It's like, I mean, I can talk about the horror movie stuff, but just making movies and connecting with folks. Like, my favorite times making movies is, like, you know, you know, sharing a cigarette in between, like, setups or, like, you know, like, you know, like, like, literally just, like, eating stuff at the craft service table. Like, it, it oh, really yeah. rules just to have those moments where you're like, man, these are my, this is my tribe, you know? Um, and just connecting to other f- folks, especially fans or people that have mutual interests, like, you know, it's a good reminder that we're not the only weirdos, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I want to take us back to WNUF. Um, yeah. Ian and I were also talking about this. And was Ghostwatch an influence at all? <laughs> we always get this question, man. <laughs> um, no, so I had never seen Ghostwatch until people started telling me about it, right? So I will say... Um, uh, I think, I don't know if Jimmy was aware of it or not, or at what time. I mean, I don't think he, I don't think he would have wrote the movie if he thought we were straight up ripping off this thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, what I'll say is I've also never, um, it's actually funny. I'm about to be on a podcast with, um, the director, uh, Leslie, I believe is the director's name, um, where I'm actually about to do a podcast with, um, some, some, um, that person and, um, and, and I think Sunday, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Um, so I feel like I should watch Ooh. that whole, I've never seen the whole movie. So I, I need to watch the whole movie. I watched about like 20 minutes into it and it was, and it was interesting. I mean, I think the fact that the fact that they pulled it off is amazing to me, but I, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it, I wasn't feeling when I, when I watched it. Right. So I feel bad about that, but this is what I'll say. Ghost watch, I think is an amazing concept. And what else, uh, what I, what I can tell you is I did not know that existed. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, if, if people don't believe me, that's fine, but um it was a BBC thing, right? So yeah. it wasn't even commercially available in the United States until what it was on Shutter, right? So like, how would I have Is seen it on that? Shutter? Yeah, it's on Shutter, I think now. Believe, yeah, that's because oh, yeah. I got yeah, like you guys get different Shutter to us over here. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. True. And yeah. it's also on. I think you can buy a DVD. I think they restored it and everything. Is what I was. I heard like about a month back. I think like you can I actually go like a, said... a special edition. But yeah, that's true. That's true. They, yeah, they do. Have, I saw that come across because um my buddy Jed was posting about that. Yeah, uh, Dean actually <laughs> has I a. Couldn't believe that you guys have heard. I couldn't believe you guys have heard of it over in the States. I li- when I mentioned it to Dustin earlier on, I was like, I-, I mentioned Ghostwatch. I was like, do you think it might have been inspired by that? Have you guys heard of Ghostwatch? He's like, fuck yeah, man. Ghostwatch is huge over here. I was like, really? Yeah, that's is. so funny. Crazy. Well, I was going to say, that's actually, I feel like that's come up. Um, I mean, that's the thing that's funny, man. I think WNUF has encouraged a lot of people to talk about um uh ghost watch here right yeah. almost like how like remember when blair witch came out in the united states and like everybody was like well no it's just like cannibal holocaust mm-hmm. no one I th- and most horror fans unless they were like hardcore i shouldn't say no one but like a lot of people didn't even know about cannibal holocaust until mm-hmm. they were like oh it's it's like the proto blair witch right um <laughs> what i'll say if, if we're talking about influences of wf there's a couple things here so um and i'd, and I'd love to talk to you about ghost watch from a standpoint of comparison to, of tone right um because because I think when we made it and the nostalgia angle and the advertising angle to what we do make them wholly different movies, especially like we're, we made a comedy. I don't as far as I know, Ghostwatch is not a comedy. Um, yeah. But um, what I'll say is um, uh, influences from NF is there's two things here. So years and years ago, I had heard about a um uh, a, a live seance that was on a radio station in Baltimore. So this this crew had went to. Um, uh, the Edgar Allan Poe house, which, you know, Edgar Allan Poe had, had lived in Baltimore and passed away in Baltimore. And um, uh, they went to, they went to the Edgar Allan Poe house and did, and they brought in a psychic and they did a radio broadcast. Um, and nothing crazy happened on the air. I've been trying to find a fucking copy of the, um, of the recording for a, like 15 years now. I remember, you know, sh- shortly before we made WF, never been able to find it. Uh, but that was an influence. But then the idea of, and plenty of movies have done, let's do a broadcast from a haunted house, right? Like yeah. one of the Halloween sequels does that. Um, there's an old issue of, um, uh, it's either uh, Vault of Horror or Tales from the Crypt, um, where the guy does a, a TV broadcast from there. Um, and then there's um, this great one. Oh my God. Uh, it's a radio show, I think from the 40s, where the, it's like the conceit is he's recording a radio story from um, uh, Frankenstein's castle and then Frankenstein's monster shows up. Oh yeah, I've uh, heard but, about that one, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, it's like so like stuff like that is the, the impetus for what WNF is doing. But ultimately what I wanted to do with WNF was the fake commercials, right? Like I was an advertising guy and I love that shit. And, I, and like, basically I had this avenue to make all the dumb fucking commercials no one would ever let me do, right? And also, <laughs> and yeah. also making, making it a love letter to Halloween was really important to me because I think talking about nostalgia, making a period piece. I think comparing it to Ghostwatch, now I feel like I really need to watch it. Shit. Um, comparing it to Ghostwatch is, I mean, they were trying to scare people. 
you uh, know like i don't i would not say wnf is a scary movie and i don't think i mean people might be scared by it but i did not say like most of my movies even though they have some some scares they're comedies yeah. you know i always i always joke uh wnf is like if christopher guest made a found footage movie <laughs> yeah. ghost watch came out when i because i remember i actually watched it when it was broadcast on the telly and i was i think i was about 12 years old and oh. I, was, I was saying this to dustin earlier on i was so shocked that people in the states had even heard of it um <laughs> and um i remember going to a halloween party with my parents i was only about 12 years old and they televised this ghost watch and because you know back then um i think it was like 92 there was no internet there was no phone there's nothing like that so it was actually kind of quite you know it scared the absolute shit out of me, man. I remember coming back home and I'd turn all the lights on, and and um, it was it was terrifying. But I, I think now, for like a, a, in this generation or people finding it now, it's just like, what is this shit? <laughs> or like, what is it? Do you know what I mean? It's the, like I don't know. It, it wouldn't have the same impact as like what it did when it very first came out. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah. it would also be really hard to make that now because um, I mean, like if you mm. put if you put um, Ghost Watch in modern context people would probably be live tweeting it, right? Yeah, for so sure. So whereas, like, there was... And that was one of the things with the, with, um, the WNF sequel. Setting it in the 1990s for the sequel was, like, we only have so many more eras before that collective mm-hmm. consciousness of all us watching the same shows even exists, right? We all might watch Stranger Things, but we're not watching it at Thursday night at 8 p.m., you know? Yeah. So, like, that's the thing that's kind of interesting. And, and the internet totally changed that because it all becomes this, like, yeah. really weird experience of, like, immediacy right um although different schedules um so with from the standpoint of consuming media so but i'll say what's interesting about ghost watch to me is um i think it's so cool how they um uh got the bbc to play along um i also think there's something potentially very dangerous about that right like what they're doing essentially is um uh uh, War of the Worlds, right? Like Orson yeah. Welles, yeah, War of the Worlds, yeah, yeah. you know? That's a good comparison. Um, which, yeah. which, People which, over which here obvious... thought it was real. People over here actually thought it was real. They thought it was actually being televised live and it was real and people were losing <laughs> their shit. Well, and wasn't there like a like um there's like a call in number i think like some i always heard yeah, the story, the story like that, that somebody killed themselves because they were like it, freaked it out really, or something it was based yeah, on the same it, it was but yeah something like that it was but i know yeah. it was based on the same story as the enfield poltergeist which was yeah the, uh, which, the, which is uh which is uh, uh the warrens isn't it like which incidentally the actual house the actual house is um like half an hour away from where i live Oh and really? No, it's, it's in it's in the biggest shithole area ever, man. It's like <laughs> it's like drive-by shootings and everything there now, you know. And it's just one That's sign so in the window of the house that says like "Jesus saves" or something like that. And well, and that's these... the thing. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Chris, come in. you're good. That's one of the things that I mean. Like, um, I think what Ghostwatch did was so cool. Um, from a standpoint of like that, like man, what a what a what a hell of an illusion, right? Mm. I get, but I guess the question about that and like comparing it to War of the Worlds is like, you know, at what point? that's one of the reasons why I've always interjected the humor in the WNF movies, right? Like, you know, you're one, you're looking at it through the lens of the past with the WNF stuff, yeah. like, um, which is, which is the, 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 you know, there's jokes about like the world trade center or like, you know, like stopping climate change in the sequel, because over the course of 30 years later, those are a lot fucking funnier uh, mm. with that, with, with, with the, the, the epilogue of the last 30 years. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and I shouldn't I say funny in quotation marks, but you know, yeah, you know, know what uh, you mean. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I should say, yeah. Ha ha. 9-11. That's not what I was saying. <laughs> Canceled. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. I just lost my job. Um, no, but like, um, what I was going to say was, um, I, I will say that, that like, I've always wanted to make horror movies that are fun. And I think like, like the war of the world situation, I mean, there were people that were like, seriously freaking out for their lives when yeah. Orson Welles did that and he was in deep shit and I think that's the question we have to ask I mean like ultimately the um the WNF2 uh there's a lot of 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 how I've, I've said this a couple times now if WNF1 was um about how we consumed media in the 1980s the WNF sequel is about how the media started to consume us in the 1990s and I think there's a very predatory angle to how some uh some media um outlets can do things to get can get reactions out of people that are potentially dangerous you know the same as as a religion or a cult might you know hurt someone um mentally the media does the same exact things yeah for sure not to take it down a dark road (laughs) no no no, that's good i love hearing i love hearing how people you know talk about um things in the world and how they how they think of it so i love hearing you talk about all these really cool things and talk about your filmmaking and things that inspired you it's really cool and it makes me happy. 
to be able to talk to people <laughs> like you and have other people listen to things you have to say so they can go and watch your shit. No, and, I, I um, appreciate the opportunity big time. Yeah, big time. and um, yeah. this is an, another thing is I know that, you know, the, the sequel's out. So where can people buy it? Yeah, so the sequel, um, we, we are selling it directly. Uh, so the site is wnuf.bigcartel.com. Um, and what I'll say is, um, so you can buy it directly. For, actually, you can only buy it directly from us. I think like there's a handful of copies that are at some brick and mortar stores, but not many. Like I think I think uh, Terrorvision down in Savannah might have some, and then um, there's this video store um, up in um, York, Pennsylvania that has a, co- a handful of copies. Um, the American Daydream. <laughs> like like either anyone's going to drive to those two locations, but if you're <laughs> close to there, you might. Uh, but no, wnf.bigcartel.com. So it's available on DVD. So the movie is actually called The Out There Halloween Mega Tape. Uh, like I uh, mentioned previously, it's, it takes takes place in the 1990s uh it takes place in 1994 and then jumps forward a little bit into 1996 um the whole shtick this time uh, without going into the plot because i'd like people going blind as much as possible but what i'll say is the shtick this time is um going back to that almost like that mail order catalog i mentioned earlier um the whole point is you're you're getting this movie from a uh a tape tra- a mail order tape trading catalog. So Tater tra- sorry, Trader Tony's Tape Dungeon is the name of this place <laughs> and they're selling you a copy of the Out There Halloween Mega Tape, which is basically an old talk show from 1994 and a uh a special event a presentation from 1996. Um sort of stitched up together to be one quote unquote big tape. Um Awesome. But but all that stuff like um, you know, all that stuff, I uh, we, we made the movie over five years, and um, there's a lot of crazy story extensions, a lot of returning characters. And, um, I mean, we even did the whole thing where um, at the VHS level of our crowdsource campaign, as well as on our site, you can get the VHS with a DVD, and you get a full, I think it's like 16 pages, it's 350 fake movies that you could buy from Trader Tony's Tape Dungeon. Oh, hell so, like, yeah. all these fake, like, kung fu, sci-fi, triple X, like, crazy shit. Yeah. that's great man. that's really really yeah. cool that I was my that. that was my covid project that was like uh when we were during lockdown in back in back in march and april 2020 uh, i was like what the fuck am i gonna do i can't make much of this movie right now so i wrote like um you know melissa my wife uh who plays um the lead in, in wnf2 um and was my co-producer on the sequel um we would just sort of drink wine and call it fake movie titles then i would spend the next day like writing blurbs about what those movies would be that's and it, so was, cool. it was a really good time that's yeah. awesome it's a really good way to market it too that's that's really really cool it's really, just really about cool. making things special, man. I mean, like, that's the thing, too. Like, I've been um, I've been resisting the urge for as long as possible to even put the sequel on a streaming platform because I uh, I want to have all that extra shit with the um, uh, like with the movie. Right. Like yeah. when you watch a movie on streaming, you just get the movie. Yeah. You want um, all the physical stuff that you can have and collect. And exactly. Whatnot. That's and what the, I love and the bonus too. features, you know, yeah. like. So, like, the other thing, too, is if you guys are podcast guys, you might listen to, like, last podcast on the left by chance. Or, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so the audio commentary, there's an audio commentary from Trader Tony, and it's Henry Zabrowski from last podcast doing awesome. the Trader Co- Tony uh, commentary. Oh, wow. That's cool. So, man. like, yeah, it's like, like, shit like that is, like, really important for me is the whole package. And um, that's what we did. So, yeah. I'm rambling, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I love <laughs> it. I love that. As a purist and as a fanboy of horror, you know, I would love to have that. You know, I'm, I'm such a purist. Like, I love having physical copies and Same. Totally. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I would buy that in a heartbeat, man. Yeah. And, um, you know, this kind of leads into Salem Horror Fest as well. Since, uh, yeah. Uh, I saw, you know, What Happens Next Will Scare You last year in Salem Horror Fest. And I know that this year, this month, actually, you're going to be kind of opening up the, the new um, service that they have, the, the video coven. How was that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I reached out to Kay because we had played um, uh, Salem Harfest with What Happens Next Will You. And um, I think Salem Harfest this year is moving to um, April, I believe. April next spring. year, yeah. Um, yeah. But Kay's doing this um this video coven, which basically is I guess is like I don't know if they're weekly screenings or monthly screenings. Um, all the uh, shorts I got. They're sh- oh man, that's awesome! Holy Hell shit! Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, <laughs> Dustin was just holding up a, a DVD. So that's it for the people yeah. who can't see <laughs> all the shorts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but no, I reached out to Kay because I was like, hey, we're gonna do a couple like East Coast um dates of sequel screenings because we're we're basically doing like all like we're doing like Philly, uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, um, I saw Asbury you guys Park. tweeting about yeah. that. I was like, oh my god, I wish I could go to this, and then. And then I saw I her one out. I was yeah. like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so um so I asked Kay if she'd wanted um host a screening with, with uh Video Coven and she was super stoked about it. And um yeah, we're going up there on Friday, September twenty third, twenty thousand uh, two thousand twenty two. And um 
yeah, uh, it'll be myself and uh, Melissa, my wife, who is um, who plays Ivy Sparks in the sequel. And um, no, it's gonna be a really, really good time. And I'm super stoked. I mean, Salem sincerely is like my favorite city in the world that isn't Baltimore. Same. <laughs> Same. It's my, but my I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, like, if I didn't grow, grow up in Baltimore and I didn't love so many things about this city, I feel like it would probably be my favorite place in, in the world. So, I, I mean, we go there every year. So, yeah, it's great. And I, I can't wait to, you know, go there and, and meet you again. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I'll definitely be buying some stuff on you because I imagine you'll probably have, you know, some DVDs and whatnot on you. So absolutely. I'll be uh, grabbing some stuff. And Dean, if there's anything you want, let me know. And oh, that way yeah, I will, dude. Uh, I'll, be putting in my I'll list. give it to you as well, man. <laughs> you'll, you'll wish you hadn't said that, man. I'll be putting in my list. <laughs> Yeah, you, you definitely need to watch what happens next will scare you because that movie well, is dude, this is what special. i was going to say this is one of my questions so like over here in the uk where can we find that is there any platform that we can find so, that? We, don't, we don't really get to be um... it's so funny man like no oh yeah that's a shame you don't get to be damn um call girl was probably if it's on Tubi, there's probably a uk platform that has call girl we actually don't own call girl uh we we ended up selling the rest of that completely we sold it in perpetuity uh because right. we're idiots um but um <laughs> WF. I mean, I think it's. I think it's on Shutter for another couple of weeks. They actually didn't reopen. Yeah, we um, yeah. we had that on Shutter over here. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny. Like Shutter needs to talk to us again because we haven't um, re-upped the contract to have that in October or like their 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 five year contract. I think is up soon. So they need to talk to us about that. But um, I asked them if they wanted to um, do what happens to scare you, and I don't know if the email got lost or they just like you know weren't interested. Um, uh, but that uh, that's not what happens. Actual scary is not streaming anywhere. It's only available on DVD um, directly uh, from us, and then um, so it's on our site wnuf.bigcartel.com. Um, Which I'll have that link in the description for everybody. Oh, awesome! Hell yeah, I appreciate that. Screenbox, um, yeah, Screenbox. Screen oh, yeah. Dude, Chris, I'm sorry, but like <laughs> you go, you dust you I, I have show. like we are making really good friends with Screenbox right now, and if you need yeah. emails, dude. I've actually, I've actually always already been talking to those guys. Believe it or not, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes me so fucking happy. Yeah. Oh my god, hell yeah! They're the best, man. They're so, they're so cool, aren't they? Those guys over there. Yeah, nice. we just had um, um, Alex and Brandon on a couple weeks ago. So yeah. Oh, cool, Alex. Um, uh, Da Vinci, Da Vinci. Is he? That's so funny, man. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize Alex was involved with them as well. I know, I know, John Squires is. But yeah, that's so funny, man. Yeah, another funny thing too is um. Alex lives in Massachusetts as well. <laughs> I, I, I do know that. I do know yeah. that because I actually we, we used to go. We used to play um, a festival up there. Um, oh my god, was it Killer Film Fest in uh, was it Foxborough? Yeah, that sounds and, about uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I met Alex uh, for the first time up there. God, this is probably. Whew, I mean, it's almost like a decade ago. It's time is weird, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> and and you're definitely living a life and making all these awesome films for us to consume and consume again. I appreciate the support, man. I mean, like seriously, every time somebody like talks about them or or asks me to be on a podcast, it helps me out immensely. And it's um, it's why we keep doing it. I mean, honestly, it's um, it's not it's not for the dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, how... it, it's it's nice to keep paying for them, but that's not the reason. So. Yeah. And that's how we feel over here at the show, too. It's like people think you make a podcast to try to make money. Not the case at all. No. Dean and I are here just talking. It's a labor of love, man. It's a labor of love. For making sure. friends yeah. with people we never thought we'd be friends with. And, you know, <laughs> as I say to everybody, like you're, you're part of the family now, Chris. So if there's ever anything that you need or you need to promote something or whatever, mm-hmm. like we're here. You know, that sounds awesome. I'll remember that for sure. Yeah. Do you ever want a custom hot sauce made for one of your movies? Man? You do it. Do it. We do did it. one recently for Fried Barry. I don't know if you saw that, that movie, Fried Barry. On oh, show. man. That's so cool. I actually might. Um, God, now I'm like thinking like, yeah, like what would be a funny. Uh, well, if we make a WNF3, I'll just do a hot sauce and you can just have the hot sauce license. You can have oh, Dean yeah. in a movie as selling hot sauce. There you go. That's so Be the hot funny. sauce man. That's so funny. Yeah, we do. We made one for. Um, funny, actually, I did. I did one for Fried Barry, the movie Fried Barry, and then I did one for the band, the Eagles of Death Metal. And I've oh, done, that's sick. And wow. I've just done one for the Queens of the Stone Age, and um, we've got like a couple of other things in the pipeline as well. But yeah, I'm kind of moving into like merch and stuff like that. But and we do that's these. Really cool. We do beer as well called Ales from the Crypt. Oh my so, god, we, it's actually funny. We just did a um, we did a beer with um, Scarlet Lane Brewery in um, in Indianapolis. So um, Josh Hall, actually, you guys might know Josh Hall. He um, he wrote Glorious, that movie that's yeah, on that's so good. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, so yeah. good. Really Lovecraftian glory hole That's movie. That's so cool, yeah, yeah. Um, but Josh has been a friend for a long time, and and uh, we did a screening, I guess, about um, what two weeks ago now. Yeah. 
of Out There Halloween Megatape, and um, he did a um, a pumpkin stout that was inspired by oh, you know this, the movie. So it's called um, Ivy's Be Nice uh, Pumpkin Stout, and it's it's a really great, really really great stout. So. Oh, dude, that's my next beer coming out is actually a pumpkin spice ale. Is well. it? Oh my god, dude! Oh, I, I, yeah. I literally just picked up. I, I sound like a, like super basic right now, but like <laughs> I fucking love pumpkin beers like so much. Like yeah. nothing tastes like fall to me like pumpkin beers. And yeah. I literally went to the liquor store, um, the big liquor store by our house recently, and I got like what like thirteen different um, like single bottles to, awesome. to do like tasting. Oh, so yeah. we'll have some friends over and do our pumpkin beer tasting. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Man, I love yeah. fall. Like I'm oh, the my same. God, it's the best. I love pumpkin anything. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like I, I actually have my candle burning right here. It's pumpkin. So I mean, come Hell on. Hell yeah. Yeah, we lit ours this morning and we start our, our fall scents. Yes, yes. Oh, and you've man. got your pumpkin head top on as well, Dustin. You are all pumpkin. Now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you've gone full right. pumpkin, man. Oh, and and my, that's funny. my I just realized I'm wearing my, my pumpkin shirt too, my oh, Sleepy yeah. Hollow Film Festival shirt. Oh, I was gonna go grab my Sam mask because um uh, my son in the other room has all the Sam masks. Can I can I just jump nice. back to oh, I've got a question actually just just, oh, jumping, sure. yeah. just jumping back to W and you have just something I was interested in was um how did um the sort of process of getting that movie on Shudder like how did that all come around how did it, how did it go to Shudder so yeah I mean what was crazy to me about the original, making the original of WF right so like it sparked to life in a way that I did not think would have ever caught on right so like to talk about it really quick a lot of people i've already talked about this in interviews plenty of times so if you've heard this before i'll I'll try to tell it quickly um we didn't think anyone was gonna give a shit about it but i did know i wanted to release it on vhs um for the first two months or three months and then put the dvd out we licensed it like literally to the like no we didn't even shop it around we literally just said hey alternative cinema pop cinema you've used you've licensed our other movies we'll give it to you for them um, and I just told them under the caveat, it has to be available for purchase by this October because I was sick of making movies that we finished and then didn't get a release for two years because the distributor took forever, right? Or they needed to have certain sales sheets by certain dates. So um, long story short, um, a couple things happened that very quickly made people give a shit about the movie. Um, we First of all, we in- intentionally encourage people to torrent it um i don't i no longer really do that with the sequel because it really (laughs) is coming at a very at a very um bad financial loss to us um but we did with the original because we wanted people to think it was real at least at least to be excited about it at first yeah so um uh new york times wrote about it because of this campaign and because of how unique it was and then i was on a show uh um a national public radio show a show called here and now which is like a nationally syndicated show in the states and that um, was on there on Halloween. And then this buzz just kept being built because it was like, because we didn't have a marketing structure, like because we weren't like making a movie that's immediately playing, you know, Fantastic Fest or, or, or TIFF or one of those bigger genre festivals, like it didn't have this big push. So when people found out about it, every time they found out about it, it was sort of like, have you seen this thing? Like this sort of whisper campaign, right? But friends would talk about it because they're like, hey, I know you like the deep cuts. No one's fucking talking about this thing, right? So um, it was really special like that. And I feel like ultimately that eventually got to, um, um, I remember it was funny, uh, you know, I got an email from um, uh, before he went to Blumhouse and I'd already told him, unfortunately, we'd already licensed it for distribution. Um, Ryan Turek had emailed us about asking what we were doing for distribution, but we'd already signed a pop cinema. I was like, you can talk to them. And I'm sure they didn't give a shit about licensing to Blumhouse because they would have lost money, I think. Um, Or not Blumhouse, he wasn't even Blumhouse at the time. But anyway, but it was a shame because I was like, man, I wish I'd fucking like licensed it to Ryan back then. Um, but then um, Sam Zimmerman from Shudder was had contacted us because um, he was he was um, I'm not sure. I don't know if he's still in acquisitions now or if he's a different capacity, but he was acquisitions then. Mm-hmm. And then he asked us to license it and we licensed it through who was distributing it, um, which was uh, Pop Cinema. But yeah. Oh wow, cool, that's a long story, and I, I like I don't know how interesting that was to to other no, people. It's cool, man. I'm, oh, interested in, I'm just interested in how stuff like that comes around, and it's it's. I mean, honestly, man, like one of those things for me is like literally trying to talk to everybody. I I'm really a big firm believer in um uh face to face interactions and like talking yeah. to people at conventions and like grabbing beers mm. or coffee or, or food with folks. Um, I'm 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 kind of terrible at the internet, and I feel like most of my 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 close internet friendships are um are uh are people that I know in real life um, because I want to find genuine people and folks that aren't just like friend collectors. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, um, uh, I, you know, I, I, I really believe in like making those connections and networking in a way that's like, mm. but that's sincere. Um, exactly. And and, I, and that's always, that's always uh, served me well in my filmmaking career. 
Awesome. Yeah, we're in that that same boat right there, man. Like talking to people any way we can. I mean, COVID changed a lot of that stuff, so yeah, that's why we're yeah. in this in this kind of format right now. Right, right. Um, yeah, gosh. And also with Dean being a, on the other side of the pond, you know, best way yeah. to do this. <laughs> but um, I do, I I do, I'd like, I'm, I vend at events, man. I'm the same. I'm like every every Comic Con going in the UK, every <laughs> Horror Con going, every like you know festival everything i can be at so i'm trying to get my work visa to do the same in the states next year yeah. so just, just meet people talk to people and just kind of you know get in just, sorry yeah. dean i'm uh we're getting you there man don't worry we're getting, <laughs> we're getting you. helping him as much as possible to get him over here to start doing some work because i have a feeling that his product is going to blow up over here um yeah. and especially with your first like official um convention or festival being salem horror fest that's a I mean, very, that's very big thing cool, man, man so yeah <laughs> Awesome. Any, any, awesome. anyway, man. <laughs> but uh, Chris, man, it's been great talk. Chris, I love your energy so much, dude. You remind, <laughs> me, you remind me of like a young Tarantino, and you got that young Tarantino energy. You know, he's got that real, like, vibrant energy, man. You just remind me of the young Tarantino, dude. I love it. Uh, that's so funny. Well, I've never done coke, so. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, um, man, it's I don't even know if I'm. I guess I guess I'm younger than him now, but I'm 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 37. I feel I don't feel like a young man anymore. <laughs> Oh, you're younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the youngest one here. I'm 29. Oh, shit. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Baby. I'm a baby. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> this was That's an awesome. absolute blast, man. It, yeah, it was yeah, awesome. man. I had a good time talking to y'all, for sure. Yeah, I know that was kind of um, a little back and forth with trying to get you on here, mainly because of, you know, all the, the festivals and stuff that you've been doing for the sequel. And, yeah, and yeah. No, I appreciate that. it big time. You know, And that's the only thing that's so tough. It's like, I've um, I'm glad we got this to work out because... I, I always get hit up for podcasts in the fall, but that's always the worst time for us because we're always out of town. And this year, especially, we literally are out of town every single weekend, either with um, a screening of the, the sequel or um, our band has been playing a bunch of shows. We play in a surf punk band uh, that writes all these songs about monsters and cryptozoology. That's awesome. What's the called, name? Um, uh, Beach Creeper. Okay. So it's uh, yeah, yeah. So you can check us out at uh, beachcreeper.bandcamp.com. And we're just I'll like, I'll make sure to link that so- as well. It's like surf punk, but yeah, I, I play drums. Uh, Melissa, Maddox I'm a drummer sings. too. Hey, what's are going you really on? nice? Yeah. Hell yeah! <laughs> Dean's also a musician. <laughs> yeah, you, you you play guitar, right, Dean? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I, yeah I'm a bit of a multi instrumentalist, but man, I've nice. I've been a musician for years. We we um, yeah, I've been doing tons of stuff. We actually recorded a record with the, with the uh, the guy from Killing Joke. Do you know the band Killing yeah, Joke? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so we flew over to Spain and recorded an album with Youth from Killing Joke. Man, that was but that's we so we. Cool. Uh, we 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 were doing we were doing pretty good, but yeah, it's kind of taken a bit of a, a backseat at the minute. But um, it, it's tough, man. Playing music as I feel like playing music as you get older is especially tough because and this is probably not interesting to the horror fans listening. But like, I think um, you know when I was in high school and college, or like even shortly after, getting people to go to your show that was like the social scene. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. like as you get older, and we've we've been very fortunate because there's a really supportive art scene in Baltimore. But like. Man, it's like you know, the older people get, it's not easy to get them to come out to a yeah. bar on like a on a weeknight. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's the same here in London as well, man. Yeah. Getting, getting into London to watch shows now is is really stressful because of all the uh, we've got this ultra low emission zone thing. You have to pay congestion uh, yeah. charge. You have to pay diesels through the roof. You have to pay, and it's just it's just people are just like now. Nah, I'll stay in. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. So, Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but um, it's not. Yeah, man. Back in the day, like in the um. I don't know. Ten years ago, can we, I don't, have you been to London, Chris? I don't know if you've I've there. never been. It's it's on my list of places I want to go. I, I think yeah. Melissa may have been, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna come over sometime and I'll and I'll uh, I'll bother you. Yeah, <laughs> man. I, I, oh, dude, hundred percent. I'll be able to point you in all the right right directions and show you around awesome. some, some really cool places. But um, yeah, there's a place called Camden, Camden Town, and that was kind of the musical hub. That's where all the musicians would go and uh, cut their teeth you know there'd be loads uh-huh. of different venues lots and lots of big bands have come out of camden um but it's kind of changed man it's all changed you know it's all very gentrified now a lot of the venues yeah. are shut down so yeah man i just kind of music's taking a bit of a, a backseat and which is fine because it gives me more time to sit in and watch cool fucking horror movies so. yeah, oh, yeah well I'm, I'm, I'm gonna um i'm gonna bother you guys both for music that you guys have played like 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 recordings i'd love to hear it yeah. seriously i love oh, that yeah, stuff man. yeah yeah 100 yeah Anything you need. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this was a blast. And being able to talk to you finally was awesome. And getting some insight on on these films and how it was made. And um, knowing that you have the new one out. And I'm I'm waiting to watch it for Salem Horror Fest. I'm going to buy it from you personally. That way you're getting it right there. And and I can watch it as soon (laughs) as I get home. 
I, I hope you like it, man. It's it's funny. I, I've been, um, you know, there's a lot of insecurity as an artist, right? When you put something out there and there's a lot of expectation with with making a, a sequel to a movie that's truly beloved by a lot of a lot of folks. Like, you know, every October I get hit up by people to tell me that, it's, oh, I watch your movie every Halloween or every October. And um, so far, the response has been good. Um, so far, I've been very fortunate. <laughs> I have awesome okay all right cool well i'm not gonna say any um uh i'm not gonna say any more about the movie then but i'm curious to, to see what you think about it <laughs> oh, i'll definitely let you know and dean don't worry i'll get you a copy as well so that way when yeah. you come over i'll uh, give it oh, to yeah, you man. yeah oh, <laughs> this is a blast and you know, totally guys it was awesome talking to you and um i'm sure we'll be doing this again um some of the time yeah and um another thing that we usually try to ask too is um if there's ever a time you want to come back on we do yeah. you know movie reviews and they're always open to everybody whether you're a filmmaker or an actor or a fellow podcaster so if you ever want to come on and talk about a, a specific film we can squeeze it in our schedule and dissect it together that sounds cool yeah no i will keep that on um on my radar it sounds yeah. fun you guys had a total blast talking to y'all yeah this is awesome Great and, to um, we're gonna sign oh, off yeah, now so that way everybody can go and watch all of your films wherever they can <laughs> buy them um Go to festivals, support support local and indie filmmaking. Um, this is um, what we're all about, is supporting each other. So thank you for anybody who's listening, and Chris, for you taking some time out of your day to come and talk to us and, and let everybody else know what's going on in, in the horror world as I drop all of my stuff. <laughs> Cheers, y'all. All right, thank you. <laughs>